This podcast is brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clare Valley Podcast, highlighting the news, issues and events in the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council area. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer. Coming up, we all need space. We all need space. We We all need need space. space. (laughs) Feeling a bit crowded on the roads? Well, the truck drivers are definitely feeling that way. So much so, the National Heavy Vehicle Regulators launched a campaign educating all road users to give truck drivers more space so everyone gets to their destination safely. This follows the climbing road toll over the last 12 months. You'll hear all about the campaign from the Council's Director of Works and Infrastructure, Amy Newbauer, with special celebrity pop-ins by comedian Jimmy Rees and Outback trucker Yogi. Also weighing into the campaign is our own local celebrity and well-respected truckies from Earl's Transport. But first, all the latest from Council Headquarters, we're joined by the Clearing Gilbert Valley's Council CEO, Dr Helen MacDonald. In a move to alleviate the chronic housing shortage in the Clare Valley, Council is seeking to revoke the community land classification at Lot 102 Phoenix Avenue, Clare. The reason that it's been going through the land revocation process is because it was identified as a potential piece of land that could be made available for housing. So this piece of land can accommodate approximately 10 median-sized houses, so it's not dense. I mean, obviously, if it could accommodate more if it was a dense housing uh, settlement. So you said it still has to be ticked off by the state government or go through the process through state government. When do you foresee that oh, this will be ticked off totally? A, a land revocation process, which is changing the title of the land. Um, I think it's community land at the moment. So it needs to be moved essentially to being so that it can be um, sold. So freehold title. It's a process that can take up to 12 months normally. It's a relatively slow process, but there's quite a few steps to go through because a lot of records that need to be changed, etc. The L-shaped allotment has an area of approximately 6,000 square metres and is located between the Clare Golf Course and Gleeson Wetlands to the north and housing developments to the south. Considering we've been discussing this on previous Clare Valley podcast episodes, the Stanley Flat Code Amendment has been lodged with the State Planning Commission. Community engagement has started and will continue until Tuesday the 19th of September. Now, the Code Amendment is a private Code Amendment and Council will not be involved with the engagement process. The RSPCA and the Animal Welfare League is no longer able to rehome animals that are sent to them from councils, which means an alternative solution needs to be determined. So what does this mean for our local council? My understanding is that the RSPCA have been absolutely overwhelmed with animals being turned in for rehoming, presumably because of the cost of living and and COVID, people are now back at work and a pet is no longer convenient. That is an assumption. And so they are very much pushed for space. And so one of the ways that they can deal with that space issue is to ask councils to no longer use their resources to house dogs, particularly, and cats that in long term before they're rehomed. And probably because they're having trouble rehoming, they don't want to add to their stock, shall we say, of animals. And so they really need to have the space to deal with those that are 
uh, coming to them directly. The only options available to local government then are if we have an animal that we need to look after for more than 48 hours or so, it would be euthanised. You can't do that for dogs that have an order on them. And so that for us creates a problem in terms of having to look after a dog long term. We're not set up to do it. That's the outcome and, and that's the reason for the decision that the council was asked to make is basically for local government to come up with a solution that is going to be useful for all of local government. So all councils will potentially creating a facility. The Riesling Trail dedication. Council has agreed to formalise occupation of the Riesling Trail. This comes after the council was approached by the State Government's Department for Environment and Water Crown Lands Program. The Riesling Trail falls on Crown Land with no formal agreement between the DEW, Council or the Riesling Trail Committee. Dr Helen MacDonald says this dedication will protect the Riesling Trail. Currently, there's nothing across the numerous parcels that make up the Riesling Trail that if another government entity wanted to use that land for something, it doesn't need to do any consultation, it just can act. So essentially, the Riesling Trail is permanently at risk of being chopped up or interfered with by a government department, not willingly but just in the by default yeah by just through sheer ignorance mm. because there's nothing if they do a land title research there's nothing that comes up that says there is a dedicated Riesling trail that has extensive value as a you know tourism asset not that it would say all those words but Mm. it would have some some coded words on there that would indicate that you know you can't just go ahead and do something else with it the responsibility of the land becomes the council even though it's still crown land it becomes the responsibility of council to look after that. What council would then do would be to lease it to the Riesling Trail Committee. So then they would be the body that actually looked after it. Which is essentially who's looking after it at the moment. Yes. So the current management structure, shall we say, would be retained. Uh, Moving on to the finance quarterly report, these are interim results uh, as of 11th of July uh, 2023. This is not the final finance results. Um, Um, Absolutely not because we (laughs) still have invoices coming in. (laughs) Exactly. So let's talk about what's the current status or financial status of council as of the 11th of July. Well, it's not looking too bad because we had a bit of a windfall because the federal government decided to, shall we say, prepay some of the uh, federal assistance grants, which are affectionately known as FAGs, which are paid to councils annually. It's quite a complicated process they go through to decide every local government across Australia that gets a grant from the federal government. So it's a federal assistance grant. So that's been prepaid to us so that makes our income look considerably better than we had expected it to be. So, so. Uh, operating above over budget at this stage? Yes, we our income is much greater than we budgeted for, yes. Yep. Well, much greater is probably an exaggeration, but it is greater than we had anticipated, definitely. Is that the same for expenses? Um, well, expenses, it's certainly more than what we had budgeted. Unfortunately, as everybody has experienced, the inflation that's happening has uh, affected council. Uh, so, for example, our power prices and uh, diesel or fuel prices are considerably more 
I think they're double than what we ever anticipated. And obviously other operating costs have gone up as as well. We've had some legal expenses and that have been more than we had anticipated. A training cost for counsellors is also a lot more than we anticipated because there's a whole lot of compulsory training that the counsellors now have to do as a result of the uh, revisions to the local government Act and also the impact of the storms we had back in October. There's some additional costs with that meant that some of our maintenance costs were greater than what we uh, originally planned for. And, and just interestingly, increased costs in relation to grave digging, and that was mentioned not once but twice in that report. Can you shed any light on? On why that is the case? It's quite interesting because, yes, the cost of goes under the line of cemeteries in our budget. But, yes, I, I had noted that that was, I think, double than what we had anticipated. So, obviously, there was more graves dug in the last 12 months than had been dug uh, previously. So, one of those difficult things to anticipate how many people are going to pass away in a year. Probably also there'd be some fuel costs in that because we put at the costs of the actual tasks that are undertaken against the budget line. So I I suspect there'd be a few, not just more graves, but the actual cost of digging the graves is probably more expensive as well because we know diesel's double the price. So all up, operating a surplus or a deficit? At the moment, it looks like we might have a small surplus. And is that a good thing? Well, yes, it is generally a good mm. thing to have run a surplus, run a s- small surplus, or you know, at least we had a uh, have a as close to possible as a balanced outcome, definitely. And that's all because of the prepayments, really, from the federal government. I think so. Yes. The current economic development plan is now out of date. The original plan was prepared in 2018. The new draft plan will soon be out for public consultation. The location for the proposed four electric vehicle charging stations has been changed from the car park behind Cheapers Chips to the Gleeson Street car park. So what's the next step? I think we have to go out for consultation because it's a change of use and so we've got to check that everybody is okay with that. It'll be out for consultation for roughly a month and then council will just then sign the agreement uh, or the updated agreement. Then presumably uh, construction will start relatively soon after that. And I understand that Riverton's also put their hand up to have some EVs charging stations. Yes, I don't think they're getting one in this round, but once the RAA finish implementing the ones that they've indicated in this round they will then go back and do others. So, you know, I think we will see a proliferation of charging stations happening over the next few years. And I wouldn't be surprised if the service stations get on board too. And, I mean, we've talked about them even for putting them at the back of council because if we end up with electric vehicles, then you want to be charging them while they're sitting not being used. Especially with your passenger network as well. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Well, they've already moved to, not electric vehicles yet, but... Um, hybrids. Hybrids, yes. We're moving to hybrids as an interim step. After seven submissions were received, the Woman of Significance Award has been chosen. Congratulations to Shelley Nitschke, formerly of Claire. 
She's been at the forefront of Australian women's cricket for many years, from her early days playing with the under-16 boys in Clare to Australian all-rounder and coach. She's provided a positive example to many girls beginning their cricketing careers in small country clubs. Shelley's name will join the list of former esteemed winners of the Woman of Significance Award. A plaque will be laid in Clare's Zonta Park. A special NAIDOC celebration is being held in Clare's Town Hall on Saturday the 5th of August. It's a growing event. Um, So it's a family dinner and our First Nations community members are putting on a big event of sharing their culture and knowledge with the broader community who are invited. I think there's going to be dancing. There'll be obviously a very elaborate welcome to country. There'll be... Um, some storytelling. I think there's a competition running for children. I think it's uh, Creative Deadlies, it's called. The idea is for them to create something which is for and about our elders because the NADOC event for 2023 is about celebrating elders as it has been for the rest of the country. There'll be some discussion about bush foods as well from the mid-north and the dinner will actually include bush foods. So Paulette's is doing the, the catering and I'm pretty sure you're going to get some kangaroo. The Riverton community, there's a reminder on feedback in regards to the community hall, whether to refurbish the community hall or build a sports centre. I think the community has been looking for some feedback on this. What have you heard so far in relation to this? Uh, I have a feeling that there may be some issues around or issues for the community being asked to make a decision about a hall that exists um, and they have the use of as opposed to a sports centre which is nothing more than an idea. I'm not sure that it's an idea that has been embraced by the whole Riverton community. So I don't know how broad that feeling is, but that's my understanding that there is some issue with being asked to make a decision between those two. Is there a deadline as to when there needs to be a decision on whether to refurbish that hall? Well, there's not an urgent deadline um, because council's already decided that the first thing it needs to do is to address the structural issues. They've been accommodated in the 2023-24 budget and then the community... Uh, needs to decide what level of refurbishment they would or what they want that to look like. So the refurbishment has not been planned for the current financial year. It's always been planned for the following one. Um, and that's part of the basis of the of council's uh, question to the community about do they want money spent on the hall or do they want to invest money into a new centre? Dr Helen McDonald, thanks again, as per usual, for keeping us up to date as to what's been happening in council over the last month. Thank you. Pleasure. In the last 12 months, the road toll has increased across every state and territory. 196 lives were lost in Australia as a result of road crashes involving trucks and cars and around 70% of these serious incidents, the light vehicle driver was at fault. The National Heavy Vehicle Regulator has released a new campaign to educate all road users on how to share the road safely with trucks. It's called We All Need Space, giving trucks the space they need to ensure everyone gets to their destination safely. 
Through this campaign, the NHVR has partnered with a number of influential Australian icons to try and spread the message far and wide. G'day, Yogi from Outback Truckers today. Do you want to hear a fun fact about trucks? Trucks and trailers with a do not overtake turning vehicle sign on the back are legally allowed to take up more than one lane to turn at corners, intersections and roundabouts. We can even use the right lane to turn left or the left lane to turn right. You'll hear from Outback trucker Yogi Kendall a little later. And you'll also hear from this bloke. I think probably the, the, the lack of concentration that you see behind the wheel of private private motor vehicle users. They just sort of don't really pay any attention to what's going on in their surroundings and, and that's one thing as a truck driver that you you learn really quick to pay attention to what's going on around you and and that's when you notice that the car drivers are, you know, looking at their phone or just looking out the window or, you know, out the side window, not out the windscreen and not out the mirror where they should be looking. So that seems to be the... A big downfall, yeah. Mm. Scott Gray from Earl's Transport and you'll also hear later from Rodney and Thomas Earl. The Director of Works and Infrastructure at the Clearing Gilbert Valleys Council, Amy Newbauer, says this campaign is really important as it will inform road users how to share the road safely with trucks as there's only so much council can do to keep the roads safe. There's 900,000 to 1 million heavy vehicles that use our roads. They're registered to use our road networks in Australia. And funnily enough, Australia has a relatively high length of road per head of the population. We're actually ranked ninth in the world. So despite the the vastness, these heavy vehicles spend much of their time travelling around our urban networks and our rural networks. So it's important for the Clare and Gilbert Valley District road users and the tourists that come in as well to be aware and understand the importance behind giving heavy vehicles the space that they need. Let's be honest, heavy vehicles get a bad rap, don't they? They do, unfortunately. And that figure that you quoted before, I think one in 10 accidents involve a truck. What's the likelihood that it was the truck at fault or the private vehicle? So the statistics show that 70% of those serious incidents that involve both the heavy vehicle and the light vehicle, the fault is actually with the light vehicle driver. Okay, so is it because they're following too closely, they're not aware of the the truck's blind spots they're just not aware of what a truck can actually do on the road that's a legal requirement from a truck's perspective yeah I think it's definitely an education and an awareness thing over the last 15-20 years it's so highly publicized not to talk on your phone or fiddle with things as you're driving not a lot really has been put into awareness around trucks the message really is that it's a decision that you make. If you are deciding to take that risk in passing a heavy vehicle when you don't know what's coming the other way or you can't see what's in front of it or, or behind it either, then that's a decision that you're willing to make that is putting yourself, your family and other road users at risk. Mm. I think it's a fantastic campaign because it's not just your general campaign where it's trying to educate the general public, but they're using people such as comedians and athletes and musicians as well as truck drivers to get the message across. I think that's quite clever to get that broader audience. Absolutely. The two 
stars, <laughs> celebrities that the NHVR has partnered with is Jimmy Rees, who is now a viral comedian, very, very funny man. Um, a lot of people would know him as Jimmy Giggle from the children's show Giggle and Hoot. Correct. What are the top three things you find at a caravan park? Bogans, people sitting on camping chairs just watching and the entire contents of a BCF warehouse. What's more difficult than brain surgery? Putting a fitted sheet on a bed in a caravan. Correct. What are the two types of caravanners? Caravanners and caravanners with a land cruiser. Correct. Okay, you passed the test. And then there is also Glenn Yogi Kendall. His, his nickname is Yogi and he's been driving trucks since he was 21 years old and he did a few seasons on the Outback Truckers. So it does give you sort of two, two different identities on how to look at our roads from, from the points of view of a comedian and also someone where that is his workplace and all he wants to do is come home safe. I love the slogan that he uses. The campaign name is that we all need space, which is true. But he says we need space to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is really, when you think about it, that really kind of resonates. And one last handy tip for all road users. If a truck is turning into the road you're in, stay well back from the intersection and give the driver more space. And remember, we all need space to stay safe. So from... A council perspective and a Claire, Va Claire in Gilbert Valley council perspective, how can that campaign translate here locally? So being the region that we are, we really do have a lot of heavy vehicles that use our roads. There is only so much that we can do as councils for the safety of our roads and the safety equipment that we put in and processes that we use, we can't control how people decide to use our roads. So I think each individual needs to take it upon themselves to understand the region that they live in, the traffic volumes that we have, and the types of traffic that we have, particularly around harvest time. It would be beneficial for them and their families to take the moment to have a look at this campaign and educate themselves and their families on safe practices for passing trucks, how close to distance you should be, um, don't overtake them, all those things that you do sort of over time tend to forget mm. and especially we're just getting busier and busier it is important to make sure that everyone gets home safe. We all need space and we all have to use these road networks. We all have to get along and we do all have to demonstrate some patience, both with road, with truck drivers, cyclists, pea platers and light vehicle users, caravanners, anybody who uses a road network, you have to respect each other and respect the other road users. If you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. Be patient, keep a safe following distance because we all need space. Hells Transport has been operating in the Clare Valley for over 60 years. Currently, it's run by the third and fourth generation of the Earl family. Scott Gray's been working for the company for over 20 years as a driver, but most recently is tied to the desk. Rodney Earl has been with the company for 40 plus years, while Thomas Earl's been driving trucks for the family business for 10 years. Let's just say these guys have seen a fair bit of precarious behaviour from road users over the years. 
the silly things they do in front of you, you know, like breaking too suddenly in front of you and just turning from nowhere and just pulling out of side roads in front of you and things like that. That's the things, the real dangerous things. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I am guilty of doing that and I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to approve from now on if I want to live long enough. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's what we want. We want everyone to live long enough. So everyone to just, or the truck drivers are just out there to make a living for the day and they want to go home to their families at the end of the day as well. So, Well, Rodney, you've been involved in this business for over 40 years. Have things improved or has it got worse? It probably has got um, a little bit worse. You know, with the same thing, like just vehicles pulling out in front of, uh, heavy vehicles and expecting them to be able to brake like a car, which they can't. It's probably got a little bit worse. Yeah, and also the, the onset of the mobile phone, as Scotty mentioned. Yes. So what have you seen on the roads? What's some of the silly things that you've seen that you've you've actually had to deal with personally, maybe? I guess in, a, in any one instance isn't really a thing. It's more just every day you see things like cars overtaking overtaking a truck on double white lines where from in the truck I can't see what's coming how can a car that's lower than me next to me see what's coming over a hill or round a corner or whatever and cars cutting corners when you're you're trying to use like some of our country roads aren't very good there's not a lot of room on them and and we need all of our lane and you've got a car coming towards you and they want to use a little bit of your lane well there's not really a little bit of our lane left over for us so here we are running off the side of the road and, and that's just damaging infrastructure more by doing that sort of thing. So. And also when you turn, even if you turn left or right or round a roundabout, you get access to two lanes. Mm, that's correct. That's what we're supposed to have access to, but sometimes we don't. Michael, would you like to say anything further? Have you had any dealings with caravanners? Have they been a bit of an issue for you? It's just me. Yeah, definitely a mixed review. Like you do have your good and bad ones, like... With the whole COVID situation, there was a lot more on the road. A lot of modern ones, they don't have UHF and everything like that, and you try to call them up and get their attention. And like I say, there is a lot that do the right thing, and they'll give you space to let you around, but there's others that can be, yeah, quite arrogant, I guess. So with the UHF, your channel, Truckies Channel is Channel 40. So traditionally, if you want to overtake a truck... You're supposed to call the truckie saying, I'm about to overtake you. That's the communication channel. But are you finding that most caravanners these days don't have UHFs anymore? Correct. Yes, yes. A lot of your old school caravanners, they still run the UHF. But yeah, a lot of modern ones, they just yeah, go and buy a caravan and go driving. Mm. So. Correct. A real caravanner flex is an in-car UHF radio. Correct. And what's the only thing you use that UHF radio for? Unnecessarily talking to their partner over the radio while parking their van. Correct. What should they use it for? Talking to truck drivers on Channel 40 when they're about to overtake a truck or listening on Channel 40 to the truck driver who's going to talk to them when they're overtaking you. Correct. Do you find that a lot of caravanners or when you come to a truck stop, perhaps they're being used by caravanners or private vehicles and they're not supposed to be there because that is the space for a truck for you to record your hours etc etc is that becoming an increasingly an increasing problem some of our trucks that have been doing a bit of bit of more interstate work have been noticing that quite a lot of the parking bays where they you know they they have to pull up for they're required to pull up for a rest break at certain times and and quite often they're getting to some of them parking bays and they're full but quite often they're not just full of caravans it's not just caravanners they're not the the be all and end all of the worst out there but 
but it's just that there's quite often not enough space just to fit all the trucks in as well. Might be one or two caravans there. Thinking got there nice and early and parked right out of the way as they could, but then it just keeps filling up and filling up with trucks. And yeah. there's just doesn't seem to be enough space for all the trucks that are on the road to, to park somewhere at night. Where do caravanners park? In the truck rest stops. Correct. Where should they park? Anywhere else. Caravanners, you need to leave truck rest stops free for truck drivers. Has there been any horrific incidents where your truck drivers have been involved in that hasn't been the fault of the truck driver? Uh, yes, we've actually had two. That was probably in the last probably six years. Both times our truck drivers weren't at fault at all and both times it was um, a light vehicle that's come across on the wrong side of the road. One instant there, like our, our driver, he was off to the left as far as he could go before he uh, would have gone over a ditch and uh, that particular vehicle that was coming the other way like ran into the back of the trailer. He was pretty much um, out of control. And then there was another one that was probably 12 months after that and that was actually a fatal you could see by his braking marks that he was on his side of the road and and uh, a car's come around the corner and uh, lost control and and come across on his side. That that particular driver's still with us and he still drives the same road and it must be very hard when he when he goes past that that particular stretch of road. Um, he pretty much goes past every day. Mm. Do no, you miss Do you miss the road? Do you miss driving? Uh. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> With the state of the roads at the moment, I'd probably rather be beyond the desk. What is the state of the roads at the terrible. moment? Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. So I've just been up the Riverland with my son for the week and there's a stretch of a national highway that all of a sudden there's just a speed limit back to 60 because there's a great big pothole in the side of the road. And obviously there's been work crews have driven all the way out there to set up all the speed signs and do all that instead of just going and fixing the pothole. And less than five kilometres up the road, there is a great big work crew building a... And it is done. They're building a big parking bay, a great big parking bay, which is a good thing. Couldn't go back and just fix the pothole, though. So just leave it at 60. Make everyone slow down and then try and get going again. It's more of the case of what is a good road more than anything. Yeah, a lot. Would you say Horrocks Highway because it's just been done up? Or? <laughs> well, that's right, but for how long it lasts, but you hope it lasts, that's right. Yeah, there's just a lot of damage out there, unfortunately, and it's almost getting to the point of how do they keep up with, with the amount of damage that's out there to, oh, okay. to fix it all. This video was brought to you by the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator. Remember, truck drivers are driving massive, hard-to-manoeuvre, heavy trucks. So be safe out there and give them some room, would you? Check out the campaign by heading to weneedspace.com.au. Details are in the podcast show notes. We We all need need space. space. That's a wrap of the latest Clare Valley podcast. If there is anything you'd like addressed on this podcast, please get in touch. In the meantime, to keep on top of the latest council happenings, head to the website or its social media pages. I'm Annabelle Homer. I'll catch you next time. This podcast is brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council.